This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. We're going to go ahead and go right into our text this morning, John 15. I've got two texts. One is John 15, the other one is 1 John 4. John 15. Verses 12 and 13 says this, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And then the other one is going to be in 1 John uh, 4. And that is in verses 7 through 12. And it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that so, so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. I'll explain that in a little while. Beloved, if if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time of celebration. And God, I just pray that um, what will happen is I will decrease and you will increase. God, that your Holy Spirit would take over this morning. God, we we know that if two or more gather in your name, you're in our midst. God, we know that if we're a believer here this morning, the, the Holy Spirit resides in our hearts. It says that you anoint us, you put your spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. But God, we also pray, just like on the day of Pentecost, that your manifest presence will be here and that God, you will open and remove the blinders like you did the Saul, who eventually became Paul. If there's anyone here that does not have faith to believe, God, you would pull those blinders of unbelief and give them faith to believe and put their trust in the one and only Son of Jesus Christ. And God, I just pray it will make it plain. God, the gospel will be cleared. And God, you will bind the strong man of any distractions that will happen today and allow us to tune in to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The big idea today, if you're keeping notes, is this. Jesus' resurrection is a real historical event which guarantees our eternal life and his blood is the color of love. His blood is the color of love. Um, you know, for us to really understand this, we have to go really back to the beginning. There's a verse, Genesis 1-1. You don't have to turn there. Um, it's very similar to kind of like a John 3-16. Uh, a lot of people know it. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. So I want you to understand this. There was nothing, and God created it. See, we as human beings, we can take something and create it, maybe a piece of wood or a piece of steel or, or something like that. We can take something and make something into it. But God, the, the term is a Latin term, ex nihilio, something out of nothing. God created. There was nothing, and God created it. And so there are some really powerful things we learn out of that pack-filled verse. Uh, there's a gentleman, uh, who uh, Francis Schaeffer, who said it is the most pregnated sentence in the human uh, language, that verse alone, okay? And so these, the, the great thing about that verse is it answers the biggest questions in life. It answers things like this. Where did we come from? My origin. Who, I, who am I? 
my purpose. Why am I here? Also, it answers design. How do things work? In other words, it is the philosopher's dream, the theologian's playground, and the scientist's foundation. Okay? So I want you to know first this. We are created by a loving God. You're created by a loving God. You were fastened and knitted while you're still in your mother's womb. God created you, and he loves you. Not only is he a loving God, he created you. Purpose. There is no one that's ever been born that's just like you. In other words, your fingerprint is so unique. There would never have been anyone born in the past and never be anybody born in the future that would be just like you. Your DNA is absolutely unique. Think about that for a moment. You are the only person that will ever be like that. Out of the billions and billions of people here on earth and all the trillions of people that have ever been born and may be born in the future, God created you. A loving God created you. Second thing I want you to know is this. There's a good, right, and beautiful design implemented, implemented by the loving God of all things. See, um, I think it's C.S. Lewis that says this. He talks about there's a way, if you will, that the machine runs. Now, um, I've not been a pastor my whole life. Yeah, I, I worked in a shipyard for about eight years. I was a machinist, and I worked with my hands a lot. In fact, um, they say that's probably one of the most stressful jobs there is because of tight tolerances. I can tell you, if you take a piece of paper and flatten it, just a regular sheet of paper, it's about, oh, 3 thousandths thick, right? So we, our tolerances would be half a, ta- half a thousandths. So basically, if you cut that six times, that's how close those tolerances had to be on uh, a bolt or some type of valve cover or whatever it may be, right? Now, what I learned in this is, is this. Machinery you better respect, okay? Um, there were some really bad things that happened at Shipyard, but people were not smart about how they handled machinery. And so I had to go through, obviously, a whole course on how to run machines. I ran lathes, milling machines, and I've got some scars to prove to you that I made some bad decisions with machinery, okay? I got some cut all the way to the bone sometimes and some other things. But I can tell you this, there were people in the shipyard They chose not to follow what was required to run that machinery, and it ended in death, okay? There are some gruesome stories about things like that that happened. And so what I want to tell you this is is this. Just like there's machinery that works a certain way, and you better follow the owner's manual, or you're going to find yourself end up in the grave, God created us, and he created our, our life, and he created things to work a certain way with a certain design, and a certain purpose. See, we were created in the very image of God. Uh, the term is visroy. If you're not used to that, it's, a, it's an old term that would maybe describe in those days a kingdom, a representative of a kingdom. So in other words, if you went from one territory to the next, you may have these images or icons, if you will, these visroys, and it said you're going from one kingdom to the next. We were made in the very image of God, so we're to be representatives. We're to be image bearers of the living God. And we're going to find out in just a few minutes, but there's a problem, right? Because we're broken. And we no longer reflect the image of God. We rival with the image of God. We rival God himself. And so the Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there's a way that seems right to the man. In the end, it leads to death. I want you to think about that for a moment. That's a terrifying verse. To think you're going in the right direction and you get to the end of your life and you've walked 
the wrong road. You've climbed the wrong ladder. That's a sobering thought. To think that in our human heart, we think we can be going the right direction. In the end, it leads to death. And what, what I'm trying to say today, and I think this verse is saying that we're created, we're created with a certain design. And the Bible's saying, listen, you think you're right, but no, 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 no. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Don't go in that direction. Don't live your life that way. See, there's a way that leads to death, but there's also a way that leads to flourishing. In fact, Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the paths of life. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, there's, ex there's a difference between existing and truly living. And many of us are just existing in this world. We're just existing. We're not truly living. When the Bible says God is here, he's the creator. He is the beginning. God created this. This makes us, uh, this makes this known life to path, uh, this known path to life, okay? In other words, Jesus says he came to give life and give it more abundantly. That's thriving. That's overfilling. So what, what he's saying here is this. Do you want to know more what it's most to be like to be a man or about manhood? Guess what? That means the path of life. What does it mean to be more like a woman or womanhood? The path of life. What's it like to how to handle your money? It's the path of, path of life. What about sex and sexuality? It's the path of life. What about how to raise kids? It's the path of life. What about marriage? It's the path of life. See, the, the problem, though, in our own hearts and minds is we're conflicted. Because, see, in our world, we said that there's no standards. There's no such thing as sin. There's no right or wrong. It's just relative. Whatever you want to do, if it feels good, just do it. The problem is even people that are not raised in the church or have anything to do with the church or religion or the Bible, they know deep down there's something in their hearts that's just not right. We have this sick feeling that if we're going to be somehow examined closely, that we'll fall short. But I got a question for you. If there's no right or wrong and there's no set pattern for anything, then what are we saying? Measure up to what? See, deep down in our souls, we know all of us are broken. We know it's like we've, we've walked into a movie halfway through and something's missing. Something's not right. And this is what we see. We see our brokenness is very evident even in our own soul. We, we struggle. We say that there's no sin, but what are we trying to measure up? And these are people, listen, I can tell you from my background, again, I shared a little bit of this yesterday at our event. Even though I grew up in the church, I walked away from the church. I walked away from my faith, if I had one at all, okay? And I just turned my back and I lived how I want to live. In that moment, I remember people that I come encounter with where they were broken in their life. They had made mistakes in the past and they had no upbringings, of church, no upbringings of Jesus, no upbringings of any religion, but they knew deep down their decision making was on a road to destruction and they were broken from it. They were realizing it didn't matter how many times they went to parties, how, many, how much they gave themselves to something in life, they left themselves more and more empty. See, this is what's true about the text in our scriptures is this Romans chapter 1 tells us. There's, tr there's three things that are true about every person in this room. 
And the first one is this. All of us prefer the creator, created over the loving creator. See, what we would rather have is God's stuff, but we don't want God. And what God's saying, and when that happens, and this is, we see a picture of this, if somebody will turn me down just a little bit. We see the picture of this in the prodigal son, where the prodigal son says, I just wish you were dead, Father. Just give me my stuff. I just want to go. I want to go live how I want to live. And this is what we see in the Romans chapter 1, and it's just flat-out blasphemy that we would choose the created over the creator. And it literally hurts our ability to enjoy life as its fullest. How do, how do, you, how do I know that? Because we're always chasing the next thing. Now I grew up, man, I couldn't wait to get a bike, right? Or a skateboard so I could have freedom. And I got my bike and then I couldn't wait to get the next bike. Went from a BMX bike to a 10-speed. I could travel more ground faster, right? And then I couldn't wait to get my license to get my car, right? And then I couldn't wait to play uh, football in high school. And then I couldn't wait to play on college level. And then I couldn't wait to buy my first car that I bought with my own money and made. Couldn't wait to do this and couldn't wait to do this and couldn't wait to have kids and get married. Couldn't wait to have grandkids. I don't have yet, but couldn't wait. And then eventually we die, right? We're always chasing the next thing deep down. We struggle with the fact that we want stuff. We want the stuff that the creator makes and provides for us, but we don't want him. The third thing, or the second thing is this. We believe the lie over the truth of the loving God. Listen, we believe the lie of the truth of the living God. We think that we're smarter than God. We think we're smarter than God. Now, I've never, in 20 years, I, I, a pastor started in, I think, 1998, okay, somewhere around there. I was a student pastor, a family life pastor, but I did ministry with Young Life from about uh, 1997 uh, to 1998, and then became a full-time pastor, right? So I've been in ministry for about 26 years. That means I'm old, okay? Just to let you know that. Just turned 51. All right. So, but the reality is this. I've never heard anybody come up and say, I'm smarter than God. Never. Never heard that. But how we live our lives, we say that all the time. We say we don't, we don't need the Bible. Uh, we don't need to apply truth. It's kind of like uh, when my kids were a lot younger, they're 9 and 10 now, but when they were really young, they, they just could not understand my world. They couldn't understand how I lived, how I, how I made decisions, why I would eat certain foods, why I would do this instead of this. I mean, think about it. That's the same perspective we have with the God of the creation. Listen, God created not only our own planet and our universe and our galaxies, but there's billions of them. And we're one little speck that he created on this earth. Think about the vastness of that. I don't know if you ever studied astrophysics or black holes. It's mind-boggling if you think about it. And God created you unique. He created you with love and care with a certain plan and a purpose to live out. And with that, we can't always understand how the Father is thinking. But guess what? He has a plan and a purpose. It's kind of like this. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie or the series called The Band of Brothers. 
that is one of my favorite series of all times. I, I was never a soldier. I almost went into armed forces, but I love soldiers. I love guys that serve our country. I appreciate it. If you're, you're here and you're, you're a vet, we appreciate you. Thank you for making our country free. But there's something about that generation. They sacrificed it all. Well, in the band of brothers, kind of one of the main characters, the guy named, uh, he starts out as Lieutenant Winters, and then Captain Winters eventually. Look, Lieutenant Winters, they are basically the airborne, okay? So they're 101st Airborne, and they're going to parachute behind uh, enemy's lines, behind Normandy, so they can secure these things. So when they hit the beaches the next day, they can advance quickly, right? Well, guess what? When the fire is like Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Well, when everything starts firing and the planes start blowing up, they just say, get out of the planes, right? And they're dispersed everywhere. And there's this great scene because what they're doing is they're trying to find each other and they're trying to figure out where their bearings are straight, where that. But guess what? They, they lost their guns, many of them. They lost their packs. It's just, it's crazy. It's mass chaos. Well, guess what? There's this scene where about 10 of them come together. They find each other. They have these little codes, that clickers or certain sayings they'll say and the other one responds. And they get in this road and somebody says, hey, do you have a map? Because one person had a map. And the other one had a raincoat. The other one had a flashlight. And guess what? Captain Winters. Guess what he had? A compass. Pulls out a compass and he lays it down. See, without a compass and without a map, you don't know where you're going. Now, I know we got fancy GPSs and phones now, but there was at a point where you literally had to lay down a compass on a map to figure out where you're at. Guess what, guys? We have a true north. His name is Jesus. We have a map. It's called the Word of God. And God wants to use that in your life to show you where you're at, to take you where he wants you to go, okay? So understand, all of us would prefer the created over the creator, that we somehow believe a lie of the truth, meaning that we somehow think that we're smarter than God. And the third thing is this, um, we fail to acknowledge this loving God. We fail to acknowledge. See, I want you to think about this. The future is not something that God knows about. It's somewhere he already is. I want you to think about that a moment. God created time, so he's outside time. It's not something he just knows about. He's already there. And if he loves you and he cares for you and he knows how he designed you, why would you not listen to him? Why would you not at least consider his ways, when you know your way is not working. Think about that. God is already there. He's already in the future. He knows what's going to happen. He wants you to follow him. See, somehow we fail to acknowledge this loving God because we want to blame God for all the bad stuff, but we want to give him no credit for the good stuff. We see this happen all throughout our culture. When something bad happens, where was God? Well, he didn't give him credit for any of the good stuff. See, this is what I found out. Around our whole home, we realize this, that gladness doesn't lead to gratefulness. It's the other way around. Gratefulness leads to gladness. So when we're around each other, this is what we say. What are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Guys, you realize we're in this room. Every one of us have a pair of shoes on unless you choose to take them off, but please leave them on, okay? You have a pair of shoes on. You have clothes on your back. Most likely you had some type of water or coffee this morning or some other beverage. You had a room over your, a, a roof over your head, okay? 
you understand if you have running water, shoes on, clothes on your back, and a roof over your head, you are 99% better than most of the world? We talk about the 1% in the United States all the time, okay? This is not political. But guess what? You are in that 1% from a world perspective. You're in that. The poorest of poor Americas live like kings everywhere else. I've been to places where people are butchering animals in the dump, they're splitting it up, and they're eating it right there, cooking it right in the dump, okay? And the smell is unbelievable. And that's how they live life. They don't know anything, okay? And we wash our, we wash our hands a thousand times a day so we don't get germs, right? So understanding that God is saying here that we fail to acknowledge his loving kindness to us. See, the Bible teaches that a loving God hates our rebellion. He hates our sin. 1 John 3, 4 says this, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. It's saying that I get to define what's right and wrong, not you, God. I'm going to live however I want to live. I don't care what you think. I'm not going to follow you. And let's just tell you this, that God is a loving God. Let me tell you something. God is also a just God, okay? 1 John 1.8 says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. See, the wrath of God is building. He is returning on a white horse with a tattoo on his thigh and a sword in his mouth. And the Bible says that mountains will flee and the blood will flow in the streets. Now you say, well, I thought he was a loving God. Let me write this down. Will you please? You cannot have love without wrath. You can't. You say, well, what do you mean? Listen, my wife and I were married for 11 years before our oldest came along. Hope Victoria, okay? And the minute I looked in her eyes, I fell in love, okay? Let me tell you something. If you had asked me before that, could I kill someone? I said, well, you know, I mean, if it came between my life and their life and maybe it was in battle or, you know, something like that. But the minute I saw her, I knew if anyone would ever harm her, I would kill them with my bare hands. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? I mean, so, see, this is the thing. Our culture doesn't understand this. See, love and wrath cannot be taken from one another. If you take one, then you lose the other. If he's not a God of wrath, then there's nothing he loves enough to incite anger and that that's important to him. That means... There is no love. You can't make God this sky fairy God of love and try to take from him his wrath. Since such a God of love, his wrath is stunning and it is coming. It's real. You don't have to look any farther to see that God takes sin seriously. It's two, two things. One is the cross of Christ. Do you understand what Jesus did for me and for you? He went on the cross. Listen, the Romans did not create the crucifixion, but they perfected it. He got a cat of nine tails. It was a whip with different lengths. It had metal, bone, glass in it, and it went around his side and ripped, just peeled them open, just flayed them. And then he was beaten, and then his beard was plucked out, and then he was stripped and put a crown of thorns, and then he drug his cross to, the, to Calvary, and he hung on a cross with hands pierced and feet pierced. And every time he tried to take a breath, he would have to put pressure on them to relieve himself. 
to take a breath, slowly suffocating, and eventually getting a sword in his side. For me and for you. Listen, he took that because that's the penalty for sin. That is the wrath of God he took for me and for you. The other reality is the reality of hell. Where there will be separation for eternity from God. Where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. There will be outer darkness. And I promise you, I promise you, there will not be a party in hell. I used to hear that my buddies. We used to party. Oh, we're going to party. No, you're not. Okay? It's not going to happen like that. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The wrath of God is boiling up for those who prefer the created over the creator. They think they're smarter than God, and they fail to acknowledge God. Now listen, John 3, 16 is a famous verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But John 3, 17 doesn't get a lot of credit. But this is what it says. I've come into the world not to condemn the world, but rather to save the world from condemnation. I want you to think about this. You do not have to pay the penalty for sin. Christ paid it for you. Consider your life. We're but a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Christ came. There's nothing more important than what you do with Jesus and who you say Jesus is. It's only when you accept him can you have this free grace, this forgiveness. The loving God, listen, loving God has sent his one and only son to absorb his wrath for whoever believes in his son. What has happened on the cross is Jesus is absorbing all the wrath toward those who did not believe. And he absorbed that. So those who believe, there's not one drop of wrath left for those who believe. Jesus is giving you this extension of grace. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. John 10, 18 says this, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus saying, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Listen, guys, Jesus proved that he was God, but not just dying, but rising again. And I don't have time to get into the evidence right here, but let me tell you something. It's a historical fact, okay? There's three guys I'll name if you want to uh, read some of the things he's read. Dr. Habermas, okay? Uh, Lee Strobel, and Josh McDowell. Now, uh, Dr. Habermas, there's, there's famous uh, debaters all over the world, atheists, agnostics. They will not even debate him on the, on the resurrection because hands down he can prove it. In fact, if you don't believe in resurrection, you probably don't believe in George Washington because there's more evidence to prove he was our first president than, uh, it was more evidence to prove that Jesus rose again than George Washington was the first president, okay? And Lee Strobel, an investigator, I think Chicago Tribune, he went to prove the Bible was not true and he found that it was true and the resurrection was true and gave his life to Christ. Josh McDowell, a lawyer, same thing, okay? I read those books. I promise you, there's a ton of evidence. It's true, Consider what Jesus has done for you. See, Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says this. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He must pick up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains a whole world yet forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? This is what Jesus is saying. If you're going to live for me, 
you've got to step off the throne of your heart. If you're going to live for me, you can't set on the throne of your heart. Do you understand all of us have this God-shaped vacuum that we know something's wrong? We've been sitting on that throne for way too long. We've lied to ourselves way too many times. We keep making excuses after excuse. We're going to do better. We're going to get straight this year. New Year resolution. And God is saying, you make a terrible God. You make a terrible king. Get off my throne. Get off my throne. I'm the one that deserves to be there. I created you. I have a plan and a purpose for you. I want you to be my image bearer. I want you to be fully alive. I want you to know what it means to have life and more abundantly. But you got to step off the throne. That's what it means. you got to step off the throne. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, that the Lamb of God without blemish or spot. See, earlier when we read the text in 1 John, he says our propitiation. That is something that appeased. In other words, the blood of Christ appeased the wrath of God. And not only did he take away our condemnation and take the punishment, but now the Bible says that he gives us Christ's righteousness. So now when God sees us, those who are in Christ doesn't see us. He sees the precious blood of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus. Guess what? You can have that as well. But you've got to step off the throne of your heart. Would you do that today? Would you step off? The, that's my big question for you this, this morning. Are you ready to surrender the throne of your heart? Are you ready to surrender the throne of your heart? Guys, Many of us have been doing this thing. And again, I'm telling you because I did that. I, I, I remember just sitting in church thinking that somehow I'll, I'll clean myself up and then I'll get myself ready for God. And, and like, let me arrive to a certain point and then, then I can surrender. Or let me, let, me, let, me, let me spend time doing this for a little while. And then after I'm done with that, I'll come over here and, and give my life. Or once I accomplish this, then I'll, then I'll have these. I can finish out this and finish out that. And it never comes. It never happens. Can I tell you something? If you're here today and you put off the decision for Christ, can I tell you something? That is a decision. I don't want you to walk out of this place celebrating the greatest day in human history and miss the opportunity of not just Christ cleaning you up but making you brand new. He wants to give you this life. That he, he, he's saying more abundantly. Would you close your eyes and bow your head this morning? I want to share... The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what we just talked about, meaning boss, meaning I no longer am on the throne of my heart. You are God. And the Bible describes it in different ways. Humility, repentance, a U-turn, whatever you want to describe it, okay? It's an about face. It's saying, I am no longer in control. God, you are. If you're there and you want to step off the throne of your heart, the Bible says you just got to confess it. So listen, I'm going to repeat this. I would love for everyone in this room to repeat it out loud with me. It's not a magic prayer. It's not going to be some type of formula. It's just a way of demonstrating 
what the Bible says declaring. So I'm going to say a short prayer in little segments and I ask you to just repeat with me. Father, thank you for sending your one and only son. Father, I know I'm a sinner. Father, I know I do not deserve your love. But thank you for sending your son. Today, I'm going to step off the throne of my heart. I'm going to give my throne to Jesus. I'm going to trust in him and him alone for the forgiveness of my sins and to make peace with you. Thank you that I have new life in you. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Keep them there for just a moment. If you're here this morning, I want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer and you sincerely meant it, would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Keep them up for just a moment. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Put them down. Friends, I just want you to know this is the safest place for you to confess Christ. There's nobody in his room that is going to look down upon you. In fact, the Bible says that heaven is throwing a party right now because people went from darkness to light and from death to live. Yes, praise God. Now again, we love you and we want to help you in your decision that you made today. We have friends that want to give you something. They have a, a little bag that has certain items in it that we want to encourage you. And we also have in there a little car we want you to fill out. And when you leave, drop it in a bucket in the back because we want to find a way we can follow it with you because we want to encourage you in your faith. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you sincerely meant it, will you just stand up? They need to give you a packet. Will you just stand up, please? Just have the courage to stand. Thank you. Anybody else? Will you stand up? Many of you stand. We want to give you a packet. We're going to give you a packet. Will you stand and get that? Thank you so much. Would everyone stand? Father, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this place. God, we want to rejoice with you. God, you're saving lives and you're rescuing people. God, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. God, I want to encourage the people in this room that made decisions. And listen, there's still time. If you're here this morning and you want to make that decision, find me, find somebody in a blue shirt, find somebody standing. It looks like they, they, are, they're, they know what they're doing around here, right? Just grab them. We want to encourage you in your faith. We want to encourage you in decision. We want to equip you with what we need to do to help you grow. Listen, make disciples that plant churches that make disciples that plant churches. Because guess what? God's kingdom needs to be advanced. It will. It's an unstoppable force. God's, God's coming is coming and has come. Okay? Would you just pray that God would continue to be on the move? We thank you for being here. Let's praise out. God, thank you for the work you're doing in Jesus' name. Let's praise him. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Thanks for listening and God bless you.